Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. You take the family to the food court. Your wife and Pete head for tacos. You and Danny want Chinese. You look up at the menu. You look down to see what Danny wants. But you don't see Danny. Danny! Every parent knows that feeling. Imagine if you were actually abducted. To receive free Amber Alerts on your cell phone, go to wirelessamberalerts.org. A child is calling for help. Brought to you by the Ad Council. The views and opinions of Nation Talk are not necessarily the views of Talk Show, Jam Ready Productions, com, and its sponsors. This is Nation Talk. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. This is your Sunday evening forum, Nation Talk. Talk is a live public affairs program that deals with issues concerning you from the studios of Savannah, Georgia. Conversation call 
Our children will always outgrow us, but for the first time in generations, they may not outlive us. Over the last 25 years, the percent of overweight children has doubled, a problem that could be greatly reduced just by having a place to exercise. Right now, people are working hard to put parks and playgrounds where children will use them. Log on to earthshare.org today and find out how you can help. A public service message brought to you by Earthshare and the Ad Council. My name is Sue Smith. I'm 38 years old, and I work at a graphic design company, which is funny because I couldn't even draw a stick figure when I was a kid. But I met someone who told me, you know what? You can do anything if you really want to. And if the teenage me were here, she'd tell you, I wouldn't be into drawing and art if it wasn't for big brothers, big sisters. Most kids from my neighborhood don't get into art. They get into trouble. But I was lucky because my big sister showed me early on that I didn't have to be like most people. And to the young me, that meant a lot. My big sister's name is Sheila, and Sheila is the reason that this 8-year-old grows up to have an amazing job as a graphic designer. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping big brothers, big sisters help a child, and that can last a lifetime. Start something today at bigbrothersbigsisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. The views of the Nation talking, and I say the views of Talk You Jam Radio Productions. Sortahead.com and his sponsors. This is Nation Talk.
developing tonight important meetings all weekend for President-elect Donald Trump in New Jersey. Here with reaction and, and analysis to the latest transition is former U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. and Fox News contributor John Bolton. All right. Good evening, Ambassador. Now, Glad to be with I, you. I want to do two things with you tonight. And, and I hate looking in the rearview mirror, especially when it comes to President Obama. But I know that he's traveling, and I don't know where he is, but I know he was with Angela Merkel, and he's headed somewhere, Peru or uh, what is the guy doing and why is he doing it? Well, this trip was obviously set up before the election, and it was supposed to be his uh, valedictory victory tour uh, to help cement his legacy internationally. You know, he what made legacy? a very famous – well, I, 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 I would be hard-pressed to describe it, but it's obviously not turned out the way that he planned it because those persnickety American people uh, didn't elect Hillary Clinton. What it has emphasized, and he I took think, it personally, right? He said he was. Well, he, he set it up to take it personally, saying, I need her to be my third term. So I think what it underlines is uh, just uh, for Americans as well, he has two months left in office, two months, and then he's gone. All right. Um, and and uh, quickly, are you worried in those two months, Ambassador, that through the U.N. he is capable of doing some damage to the American people, Israel, uh, as well as some of our allies? Well, I think this is the point of uh, maximum danger from my point of view of his actions. I think there are potential foreign threats of people trying to take advantage of it, but it's with respect to Israel in the Security Council and the General Assembly. There's all kinds of speculation uh, in New York that the U.S. will depart from decades of settled policy and support a resolution that recognizes the existence of a Palestinian state that defines Israel's borders in a way that confines them to what's called the 67 ceasefire line, right. all, all of which is an effort to uh, resolve the uh, dispute between Palestinians and Israelis, not through face-to-face -face bargaining, but by what Barack Obama thinks is best. Right, right. Scary stuff. We're going to have you on again. I want to talk about these next couple of months. All right, so Jeff Sessions, okay, probable AG candidate, a lot of mud going along. It's like every day they throw mud at the next person and see what sticks. Uh, you were in the Department of Justice at the time that he was being nominated for a federal judgeship. Tell us about that. Well, I was uh, in charge of legislative affairs, and I must say it was the, the most outrageous series of attacks on anybody I had ever seen. I thought he was treated very unfairly. Uh, I thought he, he was the victim of really a, a political campaign. Uh, and in many respects, what happened to Jeff uh, in that judicial nomination uh, was the forecast of what was to come for William Rehnquist for the Supreme Court, for Bob Bork for the Supreme Court later. Uh, it was all, uh, it all really began back there. So it was a fine irony that he was elected to the Senate later and now serves on the Judiciary Committee. I think he'll be confirmed. I think they may try and replay the 1986 battle. Uh, but I think times have changed. And I think viewed on what he's done since that fight in 86, uh, he should be confirmed. Why do you say it was a training ground? What, what do you mean by that? Well, what had happened in the confirmation process and what uh, Jeff was the first victim of was that instead of looking at the, the person's record and competence, it was like a political campaign. And a yes. nominee is very hard-pressed to defend when you have outside interest groups uh, digging things out of the record, trying to present them without context. Uh, there, there was open revolt from within the uh, Civil Rights Division of the Justice Department, uh, openly working with uh, liberal members of the Judiciary Committee and others 
to sabotage the nomination. It, it was startling to all of us. But as I say, it was just the beginning of what was to come over the next 30 years. Interesting. All right. Well, uh, it seems that he is well-respected and has a great record that I talked about earlier in the show. Anyway, Ambassador John Bolton, thanks so much for being with us tonight. All right, Lou Reyes was the head of the presidential personnel at the end of President George W. Bush's administration. He's also a partner with Ashcroft, Sutton, and Reyes Law Firm, and we welcome him to our program right now. And we want to talk about the complexities of the presidential transition, because you are in charge of a major transition, and it is something that fascinates so many of us, because a transition that has to happen within a set amount of time, a short amount of time, uh, between now and January, and I would like to ask you, in terms of the scope of the, of the, of the challenge, how you would describe it. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, the scope of the challenge is uh, as critical as, as it could be, quite honestly. I mean, we're talking about the peaceful transition of power in the most powerful uh, nation in the world and doing it within 70 days. And uh, the number one challenge that you have to understand as, as a president-elect is that this is uh, really a matter of national security. Um, we're talking about historically a vulnerable time um, for the United States during a transition. We've had major incidents like 9-11, uh, the World Trade Center bombings, uh, even going all the way back to the Bay of Pigs. These all happened within 270 days of a president assuming office. So the challenge is to get your leadership together, identified, and then in place, uh, hopefully uh, very soon after you have been sworn in as president. It is said that your team set the gold standard for transitions, that this is uh, something that a lot of people say is, is really one to behold because you folks really worked early and you worked hard to ensure that this was going to be a smooth one for the Obama administration. Well, I'm a little biased, but I, I do think, uh, and President Obama said the other day, uh, that the Bush transition and the Bush team was – uh, very professional and, and of course, uh, graceful even, gracious is what I think the word he used, but, but it was a lot more than that. It was um, the President Bush, President Bush, he challenged us and uh, basically told us to put on the best transition of all time, which is uh, something we wanted to, to achieve. And so we started early, um, you know, late spring, uh, the meetings began. Um, internally and throughout the agencies, the cabinet and the subcabinet. And, uh, and by the time that the president, um, uh, or at least the nominees, had been, um, had been decided upon in the, in the conventions, um, we were reaching out to both sides. We were beginning clearances of potential cabinet members before the election. And by the time uh, President Obama had uh, been uh, elected, we were already in, in uh, you know, longstanding conversations and providing really, I think, what was unprecedented access to uh, the inner workings of the White House and the things that the president-elect needs in order to hit the ground running I think on I January think 20th. I think it's really important that you point out that this all began much earlier, months ago, because uh, people may be thinking that what they're seeing right now by the, by the images that we've been showing over the course of today and, and this week of Mr. Trump meeting with different candidates for different positions, this is where 
it begins, but no, it has begun. It began months ago, this preparation, and that, that uh, both uh, candidates on the Democratic and the Republican side, uh, they have transition teams in place working hard just in case their side happened to win. Correct. Uh, there's uh, certain legislation that allows for presidential, presidential uh, nominees to go ahead and start engaging in background checks and clearance checks for certain individuals that they are uh, intending to potentially nominate. Um, you know, all of those clearance checks, it doesn't mean that all things were decided before the election, but the process certainly would have begun. Now, you have, there's nuances in the process. Sometimes a candidate um, may be, uh, you know, may not get through the clearance process, and then another candidate needs to start that process. So, but the point was, um, in the past, especially before the Bush administration, those clearances were starting after the election. And, and now they definitely do start before. I have just a couple of seconds, but I want to ask you on a personal note. What was the most surprising sure. thing for you as head of this transition team and this effort? Well, as, as far as going the outgoing transition, uh, it really was, I, I, I guess if I had to put the, one thing, it's the scope, really, of what has to happen in 70 days. And, again, we're talking about filling, you know, the most critical positions or at least having the president-elect come in and fill those, uh, start deciding on, and then hopefully filling those positions for the good of the country within 100 days. And we're talking about 100, 150 positions. So the scope of that and the clearances and the work involved and the pace and the stakes were definitely, um, you know, striking. And then the other thing I think I, I would hate to fail to mention is um, there was a lot of collegiality with the Barama, uh, Barack Obama's administration, and we worked very well together. They came in. It was very professional and all for country first. That's wonderful, um, and it all appears to be so seamless. Thank you so much for joining us today. really appreciate your insights. Thanks for having me. I'm Hall of Famer Jerry West, and my life is basketball. But that doesn't stop my AFib from leaving me at a high risk. I wouldn't advise them uh, to be silent. What I would advise, elections matter, voting matters, organizing matters. If Republicans go to Washington and we don't deliver on what we promised, I think we'll be looking at, at pitchforks and torches in the street, and, and quite rightly. And, and that can't happen. I think it's good that the president-elect is meeting uh, with people like Mr. Romney. He's meeting with a lot of talented people that are going to be uh, just need a good relationship with. I think uh, Mr. Romney will be quite capable of, of doing a number of things, but uh, he'll be one of those, I'm sure, that's reviewed. And Mr. Trump will make that decision. Well, that was really the big news out of today's transition as we watched the elevators at Trump Tower back and forth, that Governor Mitt Romney is going to meet with Donald Trump this Saturday. And some are reporting that he's up for possibly Secretary of State. We don't know that. We don't. There are names floating all over the place. Just moments ago, uh, Donald Trump finished up a meeting with the Japanese Prime Minister, Shinzo Abe, uh, that is his first meeting face-to-face -face with a world leader. And as I mentioned, with the people coming in and out today, it was quite interesting watching Trump Tower. Henry Kissinger, the Japanese prime minister we just mentioned, South Carolina governor Nikki Haley, 
uh, Representative Jeb Hensherling of Texas, uh, Governor Rick Scott of Florida, Saffer Katz, the co-chief executive of Oracle, General Jack Keane, who we know very well here, Admiral Mike Rogers of the NSA, Ken Blackwell, a lot of folks. Let's bring in our panel, talk about this transition. Fox News Senior Judicial Analyst, Judge Andrew Napolitano. Caitlin Huey Burns, National Political Reporter for Real Clear Politics, and Syndicated Columnist, Charles Cranmer. Judge, I guess that's the thing that, that people looked at and said, wow, Mitt Romney, after all that back and forth in the campaign. You know, I, I, I thought of you and Charles as soon as Mitt Romney's name was mentioned. It's almost like Nixon going to China. I mean, there Mitt Romney's blistering attacks, repeated and persistent, on Donald Trump. Were, Donald Trump during the campaign were personal, both, well, not in the general election, but certainly in the primary election. I'm of the view that taking a snapshot picture of the transition at any given time is really just going to have us pulling our collective hair out because it doesn't matter to the country who the president-elect interviews. It just matters who he chooses. Uh, I get some of my guidance from our colleague, Anthony Scaramucci, who's a member of the um, executive committee. You ran a nice clip from him the other day. This is very orderly, very businesslike. We don't know if it was, this is the way other administrations did it because none of us was involved then. But if some of the names that are being touted end up on the cabinet, we might not be getting, for example, at state, the foreign policy changes that Donald Trump promised and on, on which he was elected. Uh, John Bolton, for example, a friend of ours, a person whose intellect uh, I respect, is, is hardly the let's pull back from our involvement in Europe, let's soften our relationship with Russia that Donald Trump said he was going to give us. In fact, yeah. John would be the opposite of that. Sure. But obviously the foreign policy and, and the directives come from the president, um, and the person follows that. But you're right, on the, on the individual feelings of, of these uh, various issues. I want to put up David Axelrod's tweet, um, and this is about our point yesterday about the timing. Uh, David Axelrod, obviously former advisor to, to President Obama and his uh, campaign before that. We hadn't made any major appointments at this point in 2008. Uh, lots of reasons to be concerned about real Donald Trump's transition, uh, but the pace of the announcements is not one of them. We hadn't made any major appointments. I don't remember being criticized for it. Uh, Caitlin. Well, one thing to consider with this Trump transition is that, first of all, the Trump campaign didn't necessarily expect to win. And so this provides more of a uh, pressure point in choosing these uh, next folks. Uh, the other point is that he ran as an outsider. He ran as a businessman. He ran as someone who will uh, clean up kind of the traditional ways of doing things. So that requires a different kind of vetting process, I think, for some of these folks. So the judge's point, he made lots of promises on foreign policy, on tax policy, and those sorts of things. So using that framework to vet some of these folks is important. The big question I have is whether he is wanting to bring people in who opposed him. Uh, Mitt Romney, team of rivals. Exactly, a team of rivals, or whether we know Trump is very loyal to that group that's surrounding him right now, uh, whether he maintains loyalty over uh, rivals remains to be seen exactly. Yeah, and, you know, the definite facts on this are tough to pin down because you have people on the inside 
throwing names all over the place. And, uh, you know, you say they're being considered, but you don't know where uh, the president-elect's head really is. I want to put up this statement about Jeff Sessions uh, from, from the Trump team. While nothing has been finalized and he is still talking with others as he forms his cabinet, the president-elect has been unbelievably impressed with Senator Sessions and his phenomenal record as Alabama's attorney general and U.S. attorney. It is no wonder the people of Alabama reelected him without opposition. Now, I read into that a couple of things. One, he could be attorney general. Two, he might stay in the Senate. And he's just saying, hey, he's a great guy, he's amazing, but we're probably not going to give him a spot. Which is why I think the judge is right, that trying to read the tea leaves here is really quite uh, fruitless. And I think the criticism that the, the incoming administration has gotten is, as David Axelrod says, slightly unbalanced. That at the same point, they had not made appointments. And he said, I don't remember being criticized. It's as if parts of the press who got used to attacking Donald Trump uh, in the campaign and are just itching to start those attacks when he takes office, and I'm sure there will be reason to criticize him, can take an interregnum of a month or two off. There's such in the mode, they just have to do it. It's almost reflexive. The guy's putting together a team. Let's see who he ends up with. I think bringing in Romney, whether he gives him a job or not, is quite a signal. That was one of the bitterest attacks on a candidate of one's own party ever delivered by Romney. And for Trump to bring him in, I think, helps to blunt the sort of the prejudice that people have that he will only stick with loyalists, a small group, outsiders, and the country will be adrift at the beginning because they're going to have to learn everything from the beginning when they come into office. So I thought that was the most important signal of the day. And, of course, bringing in Henry Kissinger, he's a visitor of foreign policy. You really can't be sworn into office unless you've, you've met Henry Kissinger. <laughs> I, think, I think it's in the Constitution. <laughs> he's a, a true brain on foreign policy. Um, I'm not going to go through the litany, Judge, of the Mitt Romney tweets or the sound bites through the campaign. Well, Charles is right. It was about as harsh as you can imagine. But for Donald Trump to get to the point where he's meeting with Mitt Romney and possibly even considering a position, Donald Trump, who does not forget, I'm not sure if he forgives, but he right. usually remembers somebody who didn't stand with him. That seemed like the news of the day. And for Mitt Romney to agree to come to Donald Trump, whatever is in Governor Romney's uh, mind, I think it's extraordinary. And perhaps it will show what Donald Trump promised us, and not everyone believes that once he is elected, you will see a more presidential Donald Trump, a person who can wrap his arms around those who never would have thought they'd want to be in the same room with him. One person who was running the transition was given Chris Christie. Take a listen to this. I have every intention of serving out my full term as governor. I've said that from the beginning. And I have no reason to believe, as we stand here today, that I will do anything other and serve out my full term as governor. Boy, I, it started, he was running the transition. Then Mike Pence, the vice president-elect, was put in charge. Now it doesn't seem like Chris Christie is, is getting perhaps anything. Right, and it's especially remarkable because Christie was one of the earlier 
former rivals to come out and endorse Donald Trump and took a lot of his own political capital, uh, sacrificed a lot of his own political capital to do so. Of course, we've seen the, the reports of, of the Kushner tension with, the, with uh, Governor Christie. We also know that Christie... Well, just rewind. Jared Kushner is the son-in-law married to Ivanka, and his father was put in jail by then uh, U.S. Attorney Chris Christie. Mm -hmm. Very Chris questionable prosecution. Very questionable. Um, in addition, of course, Christie is facing his own controversies over Bridgegate. Um, and, and the other thing, though, to remember about Donald Trump is he's someone, as if we take his businesses, he's someone that knows and wants to delegate. So I think that puts extra pressure on some of these picks because these are people who are going to be perhaps more involved than before. Uh, Vice, presidential, uh, to, Vice President to be Mike Pence is a good example of that. He was on Capitol Hill today meeting with lawmakers. He's going to play a really key role, not only as the traditional liaison to the Capitol, but also in terms of really guiding and governing. He's one of the few people on this team that has that real experience. Well, maybe Cheney-esque, Charles. Hey, look. We're going to return with more of Nation Talk here on Talk Through and Jam Radio. Good evening to you and yours. Through this radio spot where Nikki Baker's life, it would start pretty normal, like this. But, but then, then right, right around here, her life would take a bad turn with her mother abusing her. And about this far in, Nikki would drop out of high school and run away. Here, she'd be forced to work two jobs struggling to support herself and her daughter. She'd feel stuck, stuck, stuck. But then she'd decide to earn her GED diploma. She'd take my prep classes. Study every night and feel unstuck. Because she finally hears someone say, Nikki Baker, come up and get your GED diploma. If this radio spot were Nikki Baker's life, the ending wouldn't be the ending at all. It would be the beginning of a brighter future. For free info about GED test prep classes, call 1-877-38-YOUR-GED or visit yourged.org. GED is a registered trademark of the American Council on Education. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Have you ever dreamed of being a karate master? Stop dreaming and start chopping with the Karate Glove. Hi, my name's Molly, inventor of the Karate Glove, and I have just one and a half words for you. Hiya! The Karate Glove chops through anything. Just put it on and instantly chop through wood, Hi concrete, Hi brick walls, Hi trees, Hi small cars. It can even chop through these eight guitars. It chops things. If I can invent a karate glove, just imagine what you can do. Visit inventnow.org to get started on your invention. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors... The First Amendment reads, The people shall not be deprived of their right to speak. The odds are the person you just heard is an African-American. Because African-Americans are twice as likely to suffer a stroke as white Americans. 
That's twice as likely a stroke could rob you of the freedom to speak your mind. Help beat the odds. Call 1-888-4-STROKE or go online to strokeassociation.org. Join the power to end stroke. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. The views of peace of nature talk are not necessarily the views of talk show, Jam Radio Productions, Sony.com, and sponsors. This is Nature Talk.
Then you have Stephen K. Bannon. Now, listen to these occupations. And see, you'll see that you see you can catch on. He was hired as Trump's campaign CEO in August. Bannon will. Can you can you get rid of me? Huh? No, I was talking to somebody. I'm sorry. Oh, keep going. I'm sorry. Bannon was. Uh, he will become chief of staff, with chief chief strategist in the West Wing. Uh, the appointment of the one-time Breitbart boss has drawn criticism from Democrats. Okay. Question: No, Michael Pence, who's the VP. Kelly Kelly Ann Conway. She's a TV personality. But well, I say her her TV presence and Trump's premier surrogate, the former campaign manager, is weighing whether to enter the administration or to advise it from the outside. And you got Gerard Kushner. This is um, Ivanka Trump's husband, um, Trump's son-in-law. He uh, has murdered as one of the father-in-law's most trusted advisors. He's expected to play an important role in the White House. You got retired Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. He's a local, he's a local ally, a former defense intelligence agency director. Vice Trump on global affairs is likely to be renamed national secretary advisor. National security advisor, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That's just the inside. That's just that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's just yeah, the inner, and, and that's and just the at, inner circle. Look at look at where they're coming from, though. Look at yeah. the states they represent. The only outsiders. A lot, of, a lot of southern states involved. <laughs> you know what that means? Uh huh. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I got a clip here of what uh let me see if I can find it. Oh, okay. Doctor Avita King uh on Trump he and appointees labeled racist. Hold on, listen listen to this. Listen to this. This this is her analysis. On Trump's appoint appointees. Hello. Give me a minute here because we got it's. It's kind of slow bit. Sorry, Mike, about your 
internet not going. Wow. That's all right. I got you on the phone. Don't worry. <laughs> and this is crazy, too, man. <laughs> okay, all we're right. We're going to get back to that one. It's really kind of slow right now. But I'm, th- I'm thinking... What am I else thinking? That these nominees or the the appointees are a bunch of racist characters or good things. (laughs) That's the thing. Don't know. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Democrats are now doubling down, slamming President elect Trump's. Most recent administration picks as racist. Now critics are urging him to reconsider the appointment of Senator Jeff Sessions. Listen to this. Mm. He jokes about the KKK, uh, that he made uh, racial slurs, used racial slurs. He's going to need a very thorough vetting. Many of those statements, they're old. Democrats are now doubling down, slamming President-elect Trump's most recent administration picks as racist. Now critics are urging him to reconsider the appointment of Senator Jeff Sessions. Listen to this. About the KKK, uh, that he made uh, racial slurs, used racial slurs. He's going to need a very thorough vetting. Many of those statements, they're old, but they're still troubling. He pushes out Sessions, who is, you know, the most troubling member of the U.S. Senate when it comes to race. If he was not good enough to be a federal judge, uh, interpreting the law, how then is he good enough to be Attorney General actually enforcing the law? Well, here to weigh in is Fox News distributor and the niece of Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. Alveda King. Dr., good to see you this morning. Good morning. How are you? And good. To all of our viewers, good morning. Good morning. So you just saw that clip we, we played. We've heard from the media now, members of, of the Democratic Party, throwing around the racist term almost like it's nothing. What do you make of that? Well, we here in America have brains. We can think. We can investigate for ourselves. Playing the race card used to work because nobody could find out the truth behind the matter. Senator Sessions prosecuted the Ku Klux Klan. Mm -hmm. Senator Sessions, you know, went and desegregated schools in Alabama. But no one's talking about that. Those are not. But nobody wants to talk about that because they want to say he's a racist and he bandies racist slurs. Take it out of context. But he prosecuted the KKK. So throwing the race card against somebody who prosecutes racists, it does not add up. Something that your uncle, Dr. 
Martin Luther King uh, talked about a lot was forgiveness and coming together and, and moving on from things. Uh, why is it today that it seems that the media and, and in this case the Democrats are having such a difficult time moving on from something that happened decades ago? We all have a past. We all have moments where we, where we say, you know, I probably would have handled that differently. I probably would have said that differently. Why is the community today, do we have such a hard time moving on and forgiving people? I was an activist in the 20th century in the 1960s. I was a youth activist and organizer. My dad, Reverend A.D. King, my uncle, Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., taught me very well, and my granddad, Daddy King. Now, George Wallace, during those times, was one of the most racist people in, in our history. And yet, through love, through communication, and through resisting nonviolently, George Wallace repented. And I believe the heart of the servant leader can draw that out of anybody. So that's why I'm even looking at Mr. Trump, his administration, his choices. You know, what would Jesus do? What can I say that will heal? So I'm encouraging Mr. Trump and his picks not to go on the defensive, but to assert that we want to heal America. We want to work together for America. And that's the voice that has to continue and sanity. You know, the media did not, Kellyanne Conway is right, did not prepare us for a Trump win. And so now we have that. Are we going to keep splintering and dividing or are we going to come together? Right. That's such a great point. Uh, so I want to get your thoughts on, uh, on this story we've been covering for the past 24 hours, the play Hamilton. I know you've heard about it. So the cast basically yes, gave a lecture to Vice President-elect Mike Pence. He went there with his family trying just to enjoy a Friday night out, lectures him about politics at the end of the show, even get some booze from the audience. What is your reaction to that? That was a seize-the-day moment. And so the lecture came, and I, I think that Vice President-elect Pence, from my understanding, just kind of quietly got mm -hmm. up and went outside, but he waited until he heard the whole... He heard the whole. Okay, well, that, well, uh, anyway, that's, that's, um, Dr. Avila, Avila King, who's the niece of um, Martin Luther King, Denise Martin Luther King Jr. Grand or chastisement. Not and the daughter of Reverend A.D. King, who was her, who was her father. And look, by looking at the choices, I didn't see not one black person on his cabinet, well, well, selected, yeah. Didn't Ben Carson uh, withdraw? I believe, yeah, he did. So they, they, he did have one black person, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right, I'm gonna leave that alone. <laughs> 
Yeah, that was a fish that got away. Yeah. A big, oh. a big fish. Hmm. So it this uh I'm just like waiting. I'm kind of like waiting to see <laughs> kind of thing now to see just to see how this is going to play out. Yeah, me too. But uh, then uh, Avita King was saying that that uh, even though a, a person that could be a racist, but yet and still he prosecuted the Ku Klux Klan, but we, that's another story we have to really look at too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's like uh, petting a, a, a lion. And when you get hungry, he's going to bite your hand off anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's how do you pet a monster and then thinking that you're going to have him on on your side, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so maybe that uh, prosecuting the Ku Klux Klan back in those days was just a, 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 a front, a shadow, or something like, yeah, okay, I'm going to show you uh, how you call it how the cops would do things like to a little morsel for you. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll throw you some crumbs so you can be happy. But the deed down inside, what happened? The clan's still growing. The clan's still getting stronger. So, you know, they give us a few uh, victories here and there. Okay, big deal. Hmm. So, anyway... We'll, as you say, we'll see. Yep, that's that's, uh, that's how it is right now. Everything's like a wait and see thing, and see mm-hmm. how it's just going to play. How the, the heck this is going to play out? And like I said, I'm waiting to see to see how. Oh, you got your internet back. Oh, oh, cool. It's more like a wait-and-see thing. We're almost at the top of the hour. This is Nation Talk. Violence, theft, drugs, graffiti, it's all part of joining a gang. In times like these, we need to protect our kids and our community from gangs. Gangs often prey on teens with low self-esteem who perform poorly in school and who seek a sense of belonging. Protect kids from gangs. Know who they're hanging out with. Encourage them to become involved in school activities. Give kids a positive alternative to gangs. To learn more, visit ncpc.org or contact your local law enforcement agency. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. The First Amendment reads, The people shall not be deprived of their right to speak. The odds are the person you just heard is an African-American. Because African-Americans are twice as likely to suffer a stroke as white Americans. That's twice as likely a stroke could rob you of the freedom to speak your mind. Help beat the odds. Call 1-888-4-STROKE or go online to strokeassociation.org. Join the power to end stroke. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. You take the family to the food court. Your wife and Pete head for tacos. You and Danny want Chinese. You look up at the menu. You look down to see what Danny wants. But you don't see Danny. Danny! Every parent knows that feeling. 
Imagine if he were actually abducted. To receive free Amber Alerts on your cell phone, go to wirelessamberalerts.org. A child is calling for help. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Children will always outgrow us, but for the first time in generations, they may not outlive us. Over the last 25 years, the percent of overweight children has doubled, a problem that could be greatly reduced just by having a place to exercise. Right now, people are working hard to put parks and playgrounds where children will use them. Log on to earthshare.org today and find out how you can help. A public service message brought to you by Earthshare and the Ad Council. Confessions of a Potentially Perfect Parent, brought to you by AdoptUsKids.org. I might look like an adult, like a person who could possibly be a parent, but I have no idea how to talk like one. And everyone knows that if you want to be a parent, you have to sound good when you say things like, Don't make me turn this car around, or Because I said so, or Don't make me come back there. I don't even really know what those things mean, but I know that I actually believed my parents when they said them to me. How did they manage to sound so convincing? Here we go. Don't make me come back there. Oh, no, that's not tough enough at all. Kids can sense weakness. Don't make me come back there. Ooh, yeah, that's better. In fact, that kind of sounded like my dad. Weird. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who would love to listen to you practice your dad voice. Call 1-888-200-4005 or visit adoptuskids.org for more information. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt Us Kids, and the Ad Council. This is the story of a boy wizard whose name was Larry Smarter. Larry, why weren't you in Professor Dickie Doodle's mythical creature classification class? Larry wanted to go to college, so he visited knowhowtogo.org to find which classes he really needed. You missed the lesson on telling dragons from dragonflies. Right. Um, I want to go to college, so I'm taking Algebra 2, Biology, and a Foreign Language. Foreign Language? You mean so you can talk to unicorns? Well, not exactly. Unless they're French. But Larry had no time for unicorns, or even for Miss Petunia Tutti's time-traveling tutorial, which met every other yesterday at 25 o'clock. Sorry I'm late. My snorkel game went into overtime. And he knew knowhowtogo.org was way better than hoping for a snorkball scholarship. So, 
While his friends all aced invisibility, when Larry finally got to college, they were nowhere to be seen. Brought to you by the American Council on Education, Lumina Foundation for Education, and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. The views and opinions of Nature Talk are not necessary. The views and opinions of Nature of Talk Show, Generated Productions, com, and the sponsors. This is Nation Talk, your Sunday evening call. <laughs> Top of the hour, and in a few more days, it's going to be Thanksgiving. So, want to know what are your plans for Thanksgiving? I like to, I would like to know. In the meantime, here's a little something to kind of get you in the mood for it. What's better than getting 25% off your next prescription of Viagra? How about getting 50% off your next three prescriptions of Viagra? Click to see if you're eligible and learn more about Viagra at Viagra.com. Or text 50% off to 37500. Now that wasn't my idea. <laughs> oh. Hey, I, I, I can't control that one. <laughs> okay, you guys, guys, can I have your attention? Um, uh, oh, first, just so I don't have to tell you all individually, because I know you're all going to ask, uh, yes, everything in this house is from Pure One, okay, everything. Uh, second, and this is slightly more important, my brother Paul got special holiday leave from the military, and he's going to be here tonight for Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, that's amazing. Oh. Yeah, hold on, it gets better. We didn't tell Mom. She has no idea. We're going to surprise her. Yeah, I can't wait to see her face. <laughs> this is a great idea. What do you need us to do? Well, we have the whole thing planned out. Uh, oh my God! <laughs> it's a surprise! And there's a plan? She doesn't know it? Uh, Sue, are you all right? Oh, God. I just love surprises. So freaking effing excited. Okay. Uh, so, oh. Waiting right now at our neighbor's house. As soon as mom is here, I'll text him to come in and surprise her. Uh, Sue? <laughs> Don't you see? She's going to get here? Like, your son is over But he's over there? Behind the door? I can't surprise! Oh, I have an idea. Should I film it with my phone? Yeah! <laughs> okay, well, anyway. After mom gets here, we'll start eating, uh, and then Paul... Oh, will... gosh, what am I eating? Corn? Tell me, is there butter? Everyone's excited, but we have to keep it together. Yeah, when mom gets here, we can't act like anything out of the ordinary is happening. Everybody just has to act natural. Can you do that, Sue? Natural, yes. Yes. I'll just look at my hands. <laughs> I don't know. I think my legs are locking up. Double 
you know, moms can be here any minute. How about, you know what, how about when, when, when she sees Paul, everyone just yells surprise. Oh my God, <laughs> I forgot about the yelling. <laughs> that hot is from Pier One. Aunt Sue, Aunt Sue, you're gonna ruin the surprise. God, I'm just so freaking freaked. <sighs> okay, I think I know what's gonna make me feel better. Can we just do a practice surprise? <laughs> I need a dry run. Okay, fine. I'll be mom, right? We're all up, acting natural, right? The doorbell rings, she opens the door, Paul's there, and we all yell. Yeah, but... <laughs> Hi! Hi! Is it for me? Oh, oh God. Is this you? Oh, that's her. That's her. She's coming. Okay, everyone be calm. By everyone, I mean...
out of town. That way, it keeps her from from cooking. <laughs> keep her out the kitchen for at least a little day, at least. Well, but, you know, cooking cooking in the old days started uh, Friday. Oh yeah. It was a whole week whole week long ordeal. Oh yeah. You know the people coming in from out of town, all of the old aunts and the uncles and cousins and stuff, the nieces and the nephews. Oh my! What you never heard of before? It was good. Oh yeah. Kind of cakes and pies and stuff. I missed those days. (laughs) And and But, but tomorrow, tomorrow on my program, I'm gonna open up the line. For people to call in and wish somebody uh, uh, to say Happy Thanksgiving to somebody or something. Okay. I want it to be uh, my uh, audience day. You know what I mean? Oh, now that sounds good. Yeah. I also do that for uh, for Mother's Day, Father's Day, and Christmas. Oh. Yeah. You know, so like a give back thing. Okay. Yeah, that that sounds good. Yeah, do you have something to be thankful for? Call in and speak it out. Speak over it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But as far as Thanksgiving goes, I say if you learn to give thanks every day and be grateful every day, then it's not just another day, but it's really a day of celebration. Right. So it's like an everyday thing. So we have to be prepared for that type of a celebration. So. Mm. Yeah, that's basically, yeah. Every day is a day. Every day is a day of Thanksgiving. But they set aside this particular day. Um, I'm trying to find some. Oh, but before I do that, I found this this morning. Well, I heard it this morning on the radio. Uh-huh. And this is DJ Sweet, DJ Sway featuring Shirley Caesar and the Thanksgiving remix, Church, you name it. Y'all listen to this. This is so cool. I, was, I heard this in the shower, y'all, on the radio. My, my friend, um, Lester White, Lester White, a good friend of mine I've known for many, many years, played this, and he said it, it, it has a lot of viewers on this. But look at him! Look! Look! Look!
That was beautiful. It has 260,000, has over 260,000 viewers. <laughs> beautiful. That's, that's my girl Shirley, boy. Oh, yeah. And she's been, and she, she has, she's been named, um, um, she's she getting the award tonight for, um, All State, the All State Gospel Festival tonight. That's hmm. the jam there. That's that. That's the new Thanksgiving jam. That's a real Thanksgiving jam. <laughs> <laughs> old days. Hey, that's the old school. Oh yeah. Potatoes and everything. All right. Anything on him? 
Well, well, they got something on them, but I'm just wondering if they have. Um, yeah, you got to go to the parents of the third gen, uh, the the third generation. Okay, I'm looking. I'm looking at Wikipedia because Wikipedia has they 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 tell you you know all they give you pretty much that. Uh, let's see. Born and raised in New York. Blah blah blah. What what area? Jamaican Queens. All right. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Okay, here it is. Okay, Trump is a German ancestry. On his father's side, when families gather, and things gather. This is getting. Okay, uh, Trump is a is is of German ancestry on his father's side, and Scottish ancestry on his mother's side. All four okay. of his grandparents were born in Europe. Uh, his dad was born in the Queens. Parents to their parents from Kalistad, Germany. They became the blah 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 Lutheran. The Trump family is, was originally Lutheran. Um, Trump's parents belonged to the Reformed Church of Reformed Church in America, but he is like Jewish. No, I'm sorry, German, Swedish, German, Swedish. Um. And a sense and sense. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, how you said you never know that little that little couple of percentage in there somewhere could be <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah, you you never can tell. If uh if you, you never can tell. Um Cause when you when you ask that, I'm going okay. Let me look at let me look at Wikipedia, just just to see, just to see. Yeah. Okay. Enough of the Donald. Now there has been a lot of dispute about Thanksgiving. Okay. A lot of dispute about what about about the Thanksgiving holiday. When the pilgrims came here, originally the pilgrims came celebrate doing, yeah, it was the fall of the year, but it was around September when the pilgrims came here, and when when they met, when they saw, um, when they saw the Native Americans that was already here. Uh, 
it was like I said, it was originally in it was originally in September. I'm looking that up now. Okay. Okay, Thanksgiving. The history of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Oh, I'll go this this one. Wikipedia is pretty Wikipedia is pretty accurate. They're pretty good. Uh okay. It was a day of prayer. Okay, prayers and thanks and special Thanksgiving ceremonies are common among them. Blah, blah, blah. Um, okay, Thanksgiving holidays history in North America is rooted in English. And <sighs> pop-ups. Um, rooted in English tradition dated from the uh, Protestant Reformation and also an aspect of a harvest festival even though the harvest in New England occurred well before the late November date on which the modern Thanksgiving is celebrated now let's see uh, okay, the United States. Okay, in the United States, modern is a tradition, but not universal. Traditionally, documented 1621 at Plymouth in present-day Massachusetts. 19, in 1621, Pilgrim Feast and Thanksgiving was prompted by a good harvest. Pilgrims and Puritans who who be, who began immigrating from England in the 1620s and 1630s carried the tradition of days of days of fasting and days of Thanksgiving, which which with them to New England. Seven days, several days of Thanksgiving were held in early New England. New England history that have been identified as the first Thanksgiving, including Pilgrim Turkey, Pilgrim's Holiday in Plymouth, which is Plymouth, Massachusetts, in 1621 and 1623, and Puritan Holiday in Boston in 1631. According, according to historian Jeremy Bangs, director of the Leiden American Pilgrim Museum, the pilgrims may have been influenced by watching the annual services of the Thanksgiving for the relief of the siege of Leiden in 1574 while they were staying in Leiden, now called October October Feasting, Leiden Autumn Thanksgiving celebrated in 1617 was the occasion for centuring disturbance that that appears to have uh, included in the pilgrims' plans to immigrate to America. Later, Massachusetts religious Thanksgiving services were were declared 
by several leaders such as Governor Bradford, who planned the colony's Thanksgiving celebration and fast in 1623. The practice of holding an annual harvest festival did not become a regular affair in New England until late 1660s. Now, okay, now here's the debate about the first Thanksgiving. Okay, to the additional representation of where the first Thanksgiving was held in the United States has been often been a subject of boosterism and debate. Um, though the debate is often confused by mixing the, up the ideas of Thanksgiving holiday celebration and a Thanksgiving religious service, according to author James Baker, this debate is a, quote, temperous in a bean pot and marvelous notion. Local boosters in Virginia, Florida, and Texas promote their own colonists who, like many people getting off the boat, gave thanks for setting foot again on the land. Now, this is Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Bangs. Quote. Um, these claims include an early religious service by Spain explorers in Texas and, and San Ezelo in 1598, as well as a Thanksgiving feast in the Virginia colonies. Robin Gloria and Michael Gannon of the University of Florida argue that the earliest Thanksgiving service in what is now the United States was celebrated by the Spang, by Spanish by the Spanish on September 8, 1565, in what is now St. Augustine, Florida. A day for Thanksgiving services was uh, codified in the founding charter of Berkeley Hundreds in Charleston City County, Virginia, 1619. According to Baker, historically, none of these had any influence over the evolution of the modern United States holiday. The American holiday's true origin was the New England Calvinist Thanksgiving, never coupled with a Sabbath meeting. The Puritans' observance were special days set aside during the week for Thanksgiving and praise in response to God's providence. Um, and it did. It, plus, there have been also some other arguments about when the pilgrims came here, and when when the pilgrims came here, and they um, traded with the American with the Native Americans, and they up in here, and that that they kill off. They they was killing off Native Americans. It's been a whole. It's been a whole lot of other stories that I've been hearing about, which I really, I don't. That part about the killing off the Native Americans. Now I don't know if it's true. I don't know how true. I don't know how accurate that really is. But some people 
said it was they 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 said that's gospel. You know, that's what happened. <laughs> so, you know, it has been a lot of this, it has been a lot of distorted it has been a lot of um um distorted stories about Thanksgiving. Um because it was a harvest feast was by the pilgrims at Plymouth, which is is now modern day Massachusetts. Um the pilgrims celebrate at Plymouth for three days after the first harvest in sixteen twenty one. That's the one I that's the one I remember. It was the the event occurred between six September twenty first and November the eleventh, sixteen twenty one. That's when, that's when it was recorded. According to what, as it was recorded, at that time. Now I don't know who, I don't know who gave this story about. I don't know who started that fire. About that. <laughs> But I've been here. I've been hearing just. I've been hearing about that for a long time. It's been some kind of. It was a massacre or something, and they tried to. They killed off Native Americans. Um. During that time, you know, I mean, there's been a whole lot of. There's been a whole lot of. Distorted stories about it. Okay, hey, but look here. Look at look at this scenario. Look at this scenario, my brother. Okay, the pilgrims came over. They it came in September. Right. It was a hard winter. They wasn't used to this New England winter. Right. Suffered. They suffered greatly from September, October, November. It was snowing like mad and cold. Yeah. They was not prepared for that winter. Right. So the next spring. The Native Americans helped them with their crops and everything. So the next year in September, October, which is all of the uh, the, the corn and beans, all this stuff is harvest and everything, right? Yeah. Right. So they had a festival, a feast. Now, look at <laughs> look at traditional how we treat each other. We're so nice and good at helping each other. But then, after we get on our feet, <laughs> okay, I don't need you no more. You are a nuisance to me. I can make it on my own now. So I wouldn't be surprised if that scenario of them uh, driving the Indians out of the area, because look here, very few Indians you see in New England as it is. Especially, like, okay, New York, the Indians were fighting each other. <laughs> like the uh, 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 Iroquois and, and the different Mohicans and all that stuff. Yeah. They were fighting each other. And then they turn around, and here comes <laughs> the <laughs> other people from across the ridge, across the water, fighting them and driving them out of the area. Yeah. So, 
Therefore, I wouldn't be surprised about, but I would say that that first season, the first season that we that we come to celebrate because of the unity, the festival, and the Thanksgiving, I would go along with that. And never mind all of the other stuff that happened after that, ask God to forgive us all, have mercy upon the souls of all. Yeah. It was a long time ago. Yeah, many, 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 many moons ago. Yeah, you know what I mean? But as far as Thanksgiving period, that was that was back in the Leviticus period, whereas they had a Thanksgiving unto a sacrifice of Thanksgiving unto the Lord. Right. So that's why I always like go back to the beginning of time, like give thanks unto the Lord for all He has done for you. Right. And then every day is a day of Thanksgiving. Right. And which, whichever president that is in, initiated uh, a nationwide holiday, bless them. Be dead now, and keep on moving. <laughs> yeah, Donaldson, you are you there? Or are you listening? Well, I'm here. What do you think? What was about the origin of Thanksgiving? Hold on one second. Ask your question again. What you What's that? What did you just say? What do you think about Thanksgiving? Well, first of all, I think a couple of things about it. If you understand that it creates good feelings for some people, right? Right. And then you can you can you can identify or tap into the 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 idea that Thanksgiving represents some good things about family and coming together and unity and just giving being humble and being grateful that's you know it's it 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 goes beyond any religious connotation but instead attaches to a more of a community orientation having to do more with family um but the then there's other other parts about my thoughts and regarding it, and uh, those contain issues regarding whether or not there is any validity to the holiday at all. Uh, for instance, uh, whether or not it was Britain that challenged uh, the Native Americans in the face of the colonists. Uh, in an attempt to make the colon the original colonists look bad, uh, as Britain was involved in attempting to overthrow what was happening here from the very beginning, and it's it's my understanding also that what was happening here from the beginning was a an attempt to be free from the rule of Britain, which at that time was a rule that was a global rule. And it had a lot of, I suppose, it had um, some content at that time in the 18, 1700s and 1800s, 
there was the abolition of slavery. So Britain was really all about, you know, the abolition of slavery all around the planet. And they took it upon themselves, quite literally, to, to be the police of the world. And because, you know, America's founding was around the same time, one can't help but think that because of the Brit- British ab- abolishing slavery, that America itself was formed to be the land of the free and home of the brave. The brave, in what respect? Well, brave in the sense that you would challenge the authority of the world of that day. And that just so happened to be that there should be some end to slavery. And America was exactly the opposite of that. They wanted to continue the slave trade, obviously. Or there's another there's another take on it as well. So when I'm talking about Thanksgiving, really what I'm talking about is saying, hey, look, thanks, man. Thanks for all the times when, when you could have hated on me, right? But instead, you said, nah, it's cool, man. I know you have good intentions. I love you, brother. That's it. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their own, and you know, you know, everybody has their own interpretation of Thanksgiving. Um, are you all right? It is a day of of coming together. That's the real reason for Thanksgiving. Sharing a meal. Um. Fellowship. Let's put it that way. Fellowship. Fellowshipping together, family, friends, acquaintances, you know, getting together and um, enjoying each other for enjoying each other for the day. Um, um, of course, watching. Of course, watching the football games. Of course, which 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 is something that was the tradition in America. <laughs> it's a, it's an American tradition to watch uh, to watch football. Uh, which I still which I still don't know who's playing Thanksgiving. I I don't know who's playing. Um, I I have no idea who's playing Thanksgiving. Um, but that is that is a day <clears throat> for. Getting together, um, a good or, example. A good example or, of that is was watching Charlie. Now, uh, ch- watching the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving will make well, that's a good example of watching what char- a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. That is Charlie a good. Brown. That is <laughs> hey, a good right, example. That is a good example. Of what Thanksgiving is about. Yeah, that's a pretty. That's a. It's pretty. It's a. I'm just thankful I can spit these sunflower seeds, and in this laundry mat, and someone's gonna come and sweep them up later. That's what I'm thankful for. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) See, Donaldson, I just honestly, my life is so free. You know, 
I live carefree right now because, you know, you have to be thankful when you have a carefree lifestyle. You know, if you're 42 years old and you're living carefree, something happened, either good or tragically bad. Yeah. And I'll just tell you guys, I love you so much for tolerating Donaldson. Um, but quite honestly, man, it, I'm, I've got a lot to be thankful for, you know? We all um, do. We all do. One yeah. one thing I have ex- to be extremely thankful for, right, is, um, well, just if you really want to think about it, the basic use of my arms and legs, right? That's cool. I can pedal oh, yeah. a bike, right? I can use both arms and I can do the window cleaning thing. But then I can also type with both hands, right? I'm very blessed. So, you know, if you really think about it, like, we need to respect each other and respect people all across the planet yeah. and in other dimensions. And by doing so, what we're going to end up doing is creating a world where we don't have to worry about wars or any of that because we're going to respect each other's fingertips. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And 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 by doing so, we're going to... I mean, we're going to establish order, you know. Um, but I, I'm just thankful, you know, that that there's people, right, that are that are way ahead of me right now in the world when it comes to thinking about these things. But then I also have to thank the fact that I've been waking up as well. So thank the fact that you've been waking up, folks. If you've been waking up to anything. Yeah. Y'all hold on. We 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 this is a good discussion. I cannot hear you, brother. About Thanksgiving. It's it's a good discussion. Y'all hold on. Uh I wanna get my tributes out the way, my well hells and farewells out the way. Um, by the way, uh I wanna say I just want to say thank you all for everybody for tuning in to thank you to all. Uh, I'm very thankful to have you all tune in to Nation Talk. We'll be right back. This is the story of a boy wizard whose name was Larry Smarter. Larry, why weren't you in Professor Dickie Doodle's mythical creature classification class? Larry wanted to go to college, so he visited knowhowtogo.org to find which classes he really needed. You missed the lesson on telling dragons from dragonflies. Right. Um, I want to go to college, so I'm taking Algebra 2, Biology, and a Foreign Language. Foreign Language? You mean so you can talk to unicorns? Well, not exactly. Unless they're French. But Larry had no time for unicorns, or even for Miss Petunia Tutti's time-traveling tutorial, which met every other yesterday at 25 o'clock. Sorry I'm late. My snorkel game went into overtime. And he knew knowhowtogo.org was way better than hoping for a snorkball scholarship. So, while his friends all aced invisibility, when Larry finally got to college, they were nowhere to be seen. Brought to you by the American Council on Education, Lumina Foundation for Education, and the Ad Council. Have you ever dreamed of being a karate master? Uh, yeah! Well, stop dreaming and start chopping with the Karate Glove. 
Hi, my name's Molly, inventor of the Karate Glove, and I have just one and a half words for you. Hiya! The Karate Glove chops through anything. Just put it on and instantly chop through wood, Hi-ya! concrete, Hi-ya! brick walls, Hi-ya! trees, Hi-ya! small cars. It can even chop through these eight guitars. It chops things. If I can invent a karate glove, just imagine what you can do. Visit inventnow.org to get started on your invention. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. It's high time! He passed away this weekend, this, well, November the 12th, was 74. This is one of the songs that he did, he wrote, Ray Charles, we did the song. Over there, I think he did how to rock the boat. 
Dionne Russell. You played in the club as a teenager? Yeah, we, uh, Oklahoma was a dry state, consequently there was no liquor laws, and I was able to take advantage of that by playing in the nightclubs at the age of 14. That's Leon Russell, the legend, age 74. Another legend that passed away um, was one of the top composers, I mean, one of the composers that you, you may not remember his name, but you heard his music. I'm Jerry West. His name? Leonard Coleman. He had a high risk of stroke. Everybody knows that the dice are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows that the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor. The rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody knows. Judy Collins wrote in um in the in the newest edition of Time magazine. One afternoon in nineteen sixty six Leonard Cohen came to my home in New York City to play me his song. Mutual friend Mary Martin had been telling me for years about this obscure poet from Montreal and how she loved his obscure poetry. When she said he had written some songs, asked if they were also obscure. Oh, yes, was her reply. Right, and talked with me and my friends and then we went to dinner, where I learned an awful lot about Leonard and his poetry, and how he was living his girlfriend, Melanie, on the Greek island of Haiti, and barely scraping by. As we parted, I said, that was sent for me. He came back the next day and played Susanna, dressed, rehearsal rag, and the stranger song. I fell off my chair and said, Oh my God, it was a momentous to hear Leonard singing those songs. He went right to the core of an expression that was so unusual indeed. 
And the last interview I saw, Leonard was sitting with his son, Adam, and said, I turn to live forever. Earlier he, he said, I'm dying. Both are true. They both essential ingredients of what's happening for all of us. As he put it, we must be ready for the moment. Disasters to joy and to sorrows. Leonard Cole, the obscure poet, and so so many lives, and there has been a tremendous outpouring of remembrances today. Attorney General Loretta Lynch had this to say. Gwen Eiffel was a pioneering figure in American journalism who quite literally changed the face of the evening news. She met discrimination and bigotry with talent and focus, rising to become one of the most prominent journalists of her generation. She pursued her reporting with grace, intelligence, and integrity, earning her the trust of countless Americans who counted on her to present the facts of the story without slant or spin. She asked tough questions and told hard truths, but she always did so in a way that elevated rather than coarsened our national discourse. Our country is a better place because of her commitment to the truth, and she will be sorely missed, both on the air and Hey, truth seekers, welcome back. Zach here. It's November 14th, 2016. One of the top news stories today is the death of newscaster Gwen Eiffel, who's been with PBS since 1999. Prior to that, she worked for a number of major papers. She is a familiar name and face in the mainstream media. They're saying she died today, November 14th, at age 61. That is suspicious because today is a date with 61 numerology, as you see on the screen. And the word news or from the field, whether she sat at the debate moderator's table or at the anchor's desk, she not only informed today's citizens, but she also inspired tomorrow's journalists. She was an especially 
as one half of the first all-female anchor team on network news. So Gwen did her country a great service. Michelle and I joined her family and her colleagues and everybody else who loved her in remembering her fondly today. I just want to say, because when we talk about race in this country, we always talk about African Americans, people of color. We talk about white people. Okay? Why don't you mention Donald Trump by name? You know, uh, he seems to do a good job mentioning his own name. So uh, I figured, you know, I'll let him do his advertising for him. Susanna Flores, the owner, is a legal resident who tried unsuccessfully to teach me how to make tortillas. And uh, <laughs> Susanna's sister, Rosina Sandoval, who works as a waitress, is not here legally. She could easily be deported. Gwen is in Des Moines for Iowa State Fair. This weekend, the political yin and yang of a crowded field all descended on Iowa at once and brought it into a specially sharp focus. Lamar, the fourth, is the pastor of the Metropolitan African Methodist Episcopal Church in Washington. He's known the Eiffel family going back decades. And Yamiche Elfina of the New York Times. Gwen was a mentor to her. Pastor Lamar, I want to start with you. You knew Gwen in a way that none of us at the table did besides the church every uh, weekend. Uh, coming up through the church, the Eiffel name meant something. Indeed, Gwen's father was the general secretary of our denomination, so all official denominational literature and statistical reports carried his name. So I. Gwen Eiffel is being remembered this morning as a pioneering journalist. The PBS NewsHour co-anchor died Monday of cancer. She was 61 years old. Eiffel leaves behind a legacy of tough but fair reporting during her groundbreaking career. She wasn't afraid to explore the most sensitive and difficult topics. I'm Judy Woodruff. And I'm Gwen Eiffel. When Gwen Eiffel joined Judy Woodruff in 2013 to form the first all-female national network anchor team, it wasn't the first time she broke through barriers in journalism. I have a flat spot right in the front of my head from trying to break down walls my entire career, forcing diversity of thought and opinion into newsrooms and onto the air. Her career brought her to the Washington Post, where she covered her first of seven presidential elections, and then the New York Times, where she covered the White House. In 1994, she made the jump to television, joining NBC. And to our new senior correspondent, Gwen Eiffel. Welcome, Gwen. Thanks, Jim. In 1999, she moved to PBS, where she spent the rest of her career, which included multiple stints moderating debates and the historic 2008 election of America's first African-American president. The Obama campaign provided a frame for a story. It turns out I've been, I've been writing my whole life. She was an especially powerful role model for young women and girls who admired her integrity, her tenacity, and her intellect. President-elect Trump echoed those sentiments in a tribute on his Facebook page. Gwen was a broadcasting pioneer, shattering barriers throughout her career. Her words to Charlie Rose in 2009 are especially poignant today. And your hopes for Barack Obama? My hope is the same I would have for any president, um, which is that he succeeds. Right. I think you always hope for a president to succeed, and there's too much at state for him not to. Oh, such a shock yesterday. Such a shock yesterday. I didn't know she was ill. No, I didn't. Her, 
I, I had known she was ill. She was very quiet about it. Her office was next to mine at NBC, so she was a mentor to me as a very young journalist. And, John, I know you sat in for her many times in Washington. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, you know, the thing is, the first person who would have emailed to say, I'm sorry you lost your friend, would have been Gwen. Gwen yeah. yeah. Uh, and to think that, you know, she was a great journalist, but for an appearance than when you were going to be on her show. Well, you wanted, you wanted to be, be worthy. Yeah, you wanted to be worthy of her. And since I wrote that, the number of people who sent me emails and said, you know, uh, little people, just, you know, just starting out that she helped, you know, she helped all of us in one way or another, um, not just the people who are fancy and famous in Washington. And that's the, one of the great tests of character in Washington is how you treat people. Nobody knows. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, so true. She was great eye PBS News anchor. She was 61. She will definitely be missed. Well, let's wrap this. Let's make like a make like a gift and wrap this up. But let, let me say this to Steel Wolves. Steel Wolves, you are hilarious. You are very hilarious. Uh, ask me. Uh, you're very hilarious. I, I'm telling you. It. I, I re, I'm reading your comments in between. <laughs> and uh, I see that. <laughs> hey, uh, by the way, but before we go off, I have some stuff to be thankful for for anybody who don't know or don't care. Thank you for um, the interview last week about my book. I really appreciate that. Well, I humbly, I humbly appreciate it. It that's the least I can do to at least help an, uh, another fellow author um, get launched because uh, that's tough out here <laughs> trying to get your book out. <laughs> Tell me about it. It is really tough, but we can't give up. Nope. And, okay. Then. Yeah, and I'm still, I'm I'm still uh, still at it. So okay. you know, I'm I'm working on another one. This will be my fourth one. Oh, okay. So, um, I'm I'm still working on it and. Hoping to be better than 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 the other the other three. I'm trying to make it at least like the, be one book better than than the next one, at least. But uh, that was a fun interview. I, I always enjoy doing interviews like that. Thank very, you. Especially especially when it be uh, very insightful, very interesting. Interesting interviews, and I've done pretty good many interviews on this on this program, and I found some very interesting people. I <laughs> said some very very heavy stories. <laughs> oh yeah, I I had one interesting person that I interviewed. He, he and believe it or not, he still subscribed to the program. Oh okay. Can I interview you? Can I ask you a question real quick? Sure. Let me ask you a question. Who do you think has more rights, dogs or humans? 
Can a dog pee outside <laughs> and get away with it, or can it, why should a human not be able to do the same thing? Go ahead. Uh, mm, that's a good well, one. Well, dogs were made to be outside, more or less. <laughs> yeah. Wait, weren't, weren't human beings also made to be outside? I mean, come on now. You know what? No, I can literally say that your statement was void for vagueness. Go ahead. No, humans well, humans, humans, humans are really yeah we yeah we made to be out inside and outside, but they got this some cities got this law you know just well not well not law but um code that you can't um pee in certain areas yeah that's right no pee pee outside yeah so like it. it it seems like dogs got more rights, but we got more rights. It seems like the dog seems like the dogs got more rights because they 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 can do it and get away with it. <laughs> only not even a dog. A dog doesn't even get a jaywalking ticket. That, no, okay? I will get a freaking jaywalking ticket just for crossing the street. But a dog, no, it's gonna get cradled and cuddled and coddled and loved and and caressed and oh poor doggy almost got hit. Oh, yeah, but me, I'm going to get thrown in the slammer because I'm not carrying ID. I'm going to get treated like a sovereign citizen, right? All because I don't consent to the jurisdiction, right? <laughs> and here we go. <laughs> That's not like a good discussion for next week. Who, we have a, who, have, who has rights, humans or animals? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just joking. That's, I'm just joking. I mean, obviously, we know the reason why we 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 don't pee in public. It's because the sun is out. <laughs> Ooh, ouch! No, I'm kidding. If it was dark, everyone would be peeing because you it'd be harder to see. But no, seriously, it, the real reason is because it's an organized political society, and to be when you're a part of it, there are standards, you know, of of living and and specific communities have specific standards and that's what's known as common law in those communities you know it's called common law yeah are you going to go out of style now i don't know we don't have the side yet um the jury's still out on that we we may just stay in we may go out of town i don't know i don't know but where are we going to do Whatever we're going to do, it's going to be a good Thanksgiving anyway. <laughs> okay. And you clearly guys, go, so Be blessed. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. It's always something to be thankful for at any time. So may the peace be with you guys and the joy and the blessing be fulfilled in your lives. All right. Well, guys. Hey, listen, guys. Listen, trust. Listen, let's just look at Jesus' example real quick. All right, and thank. Let's just thank Jesus that he actually took the time to forgive the people that were torturing him. Okay. Yeah. And right now, and this season, let's just thank Jesus that he did what he did. God bless you guys. All right. God bless. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. The views of the Nation talker that not share the views of Talk Show. Generalprotectionsradio dot com and its sponsors. This has been Nation Talk. The Sunday Eating Forum will be back on next Sunday for another Nation Talk. Until then, God bless you.
Have a wonderful and safe Thanksgiving. Try not to eat too much. This is Nation Talk. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.